you having fun just staring from across the room you've got to stretch your stuff and i'll show you just what to do now you gotta dance gotta make your advance you gotta show you've got the guts i gotta move that'll make them swoop and it's called the two-step strut now dance with me Coming soon to a theater near you, it's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Nolan. I am joined, as always, by the sequel to my prequel, Madison Jones. Madison Jones, are we in good form? Oh, sorry. Um, Sorry, what did you say? No, veto. Better bit. Start over. Madison Jones, are you in good form? Uh, I'm sorry, what? Okay, veto. Better bit. Madison Jones, are you in good form? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, let me, I, I was praying uh, to these uh, idols that I uh-huh. just have up in my room. Uh, what are the idols? Uh, it's the uh, it's the minions. It's the minions, you know, the American gods. What a weird Neil Gaiman book that was. Let me just finish the prayer real fast. Banana, banana. I have to do uh, thirteen bananas and then. Uh, and then a holy and a holy uh, holy grew before I <laughs> holy grew <laughs> before I can uh, continue with my day. Uh, yeah, you're right. That was a bad bit. Um, but how are you? I'm fine. <laughs> uh, so one thing we're gonna start working on. We're gonna workshop this from now on because you know we've upgraded our sets. We've got better sound quality. We got all that. Our, our opening banter still. So we're gonna work on it here. Not today, but over time, you and I are going to. This is all in the episode. This isn't off the record. Oh, this yeah. is all going in. We're gonna, we're gonna veto better bit. Veto better. We're gonna get there. We're gonna train ourselves to be better. Oh, okay, so just any time, any time in the episode, I can just go veto, and then we have to start all over again from the beginning. Or just, or just repeat that bit, like veto better bit, and then we try again. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, <laughs> but let's talk about the minions thing. First of all, we are doing a sequel for the Mortal Engines film. We're not doing the Minions movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, the, does that have a sequel? The Minions? Oh, yeah, there's, mul- there's multiple. Oh, thank Christ. Well, there's Despicable. There's three Despicable Me movies, and then there's two Minion movies. I'm not okay. really sure. We're clear, then. So, We're safe. Yeah. Yeah, Mortal Engines. Um, for those that are not familiar, uh, one, go fucking watch this movie. I, I go loved it. Go fucking watch this movie. I fucking loved it. Don't fucking um, watch this movie. Treat yourselves with respect and don't watch this fucking movie. Come on. It's fun. It's so fun. After about an hour and a half of the two-hour movie. Man, I completely disagree. I, I will say the Minions thing at the very... So the reason why we're talking about Minions so much, uh, besides that uh, Mike's a huge fan. Yeah, they make us horny. Yeah, they make us really horny. Um, those little yellow Tic Tacs. Uh, this movie is, uh, for those that are not familiar, is set in like a future where basically the world, the apocalypse happened, and the cities of the world are now on wheels, which is rad. That's cool. And resources are so scarce that other cities technically eat other cities or consume them because like london is so big it is on it's way bigger than like a small mining town they overtake the the town it's very mad max but with like like imagine ship combat but mad max style yeah 
boats on ground. You know, land boats. Yeah. But it's the city of London. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, I, let's get to the minions. We're, we're, we're taking too long to talk about minions. Get to the <laughs> veto. Talk about minions. One of the main characters of the movie, played by uh, Robert Sheehan, which people might recognize from the show Misfits, or probably most recently, The Umbrella Academy plays Kaus Hardgraves. One of my favorite characters on that show. He works for this museum of ancient technology uh, from the before times, uh, before the before the apocalypse. And they have on a pedestal these two minion figurines that are representations of the American old American gods, basically. And in the book that this is based off of, those were actually originally um, a Mickey and uh, a Mickey and Pluto mm-hmm. statue. But this movie is made by Universal, so they can't do that. So they just did, did right. Minions instead. Uh, uh, yeah, I, this movie was so, like, I'm listening to a podcast called Newcomers. Um, it's The first season was mm-hmm. where comedians Lauren Lapkus and Nicole Byers, who had never seen anything Star Wars, watched all of the movies and The Mandalorian and read some of the fan fiction stuff. I was really funny. And they're doing Lord of the Rings for the sequel series. And they just finished Return of the King. And listening to that show, it's a little bit less fun because they don't understand the lore. Which, like, why would they? But there's there, there's so much that they're missing. And people, the guest is kind of, like, explaining because they haven't read the book. So they don't know. Like, watching Lord of the Rings, having read the books, like, oh, yeah, that's what's happening here and here. And that's what this is. But not knowing yeah. it. And that's what it felt like for the first at least hour of this film was, like, I'm sure this is explained in the book. But they don't have time here. So I'm just kind of, like, watching this happen and not understanding anything that's going on. And I'm supposed to, and then we get to the last half and at least it's a fucking rad ass battle sequence. And it, but there's like a lot of the payoffs didn't work for me because I just didn't understand the first hour of the movie. There's whole subplots about him hiding weapons from the before times, quantum bombs. Like, I know there was just so much like shit going on in the weeds that then came up later to be like important, but I just didn't understand what was going on. Like I get the idea of giant mobile cities eating each other. Like that's fine. Well, I think the big thing is that this is a movie about a war of resources and what the old weaponry represented was energy that they needed right Um, Right. but it was also energy that destroyed the world originally so that's why it's being hidden and then but they also just like this needed to be a mini series because they just kept tag on and then there was the strike or strike the undead assassin man Mm -hmm. and then there was a whole thing about slavers and then there was a whole like there was like five things that they just kept packing on on top of the lore already and in two hours i just was like so overwhelmed with information I, I didn't maintain much of it. Maybe I liked it because I, I agree with you because I think there are some movies. <laughs> Jupiter's Ascending. Um, We're doing that, that movie, by the way. Oh, God. I have a lot of people in my life that love that movie, and I don't get it. Because um, I was I was just thinking of <clears throat> movies like uh, Jupiter's Ascending or Valerium. Mm-hmm. Um, two movies that I think kind of fit within this, within can can sit by side by side uh, with this mm-hmm. movie of just kind of like the same like large world large concept high high fantasy kind of or high high sci-fi i think right i think um, for me the difference though is jupiter ascending they invented the world for jupiter for the movie 
So the amount of information you're given is the amount of information you would need to understand the plot. They're trying to cram a novel's worth of stuff and maybe multiple novels. I don't know how, if there's a series, how much of this movie was multiple books, but there's just so much that they have to cram in there because it's in the book and you have to need it. You need it to understand the world that it was just so much overload. Jupiter's Ascending, while not being a great film, at least like is succinct in what you need to know. Yeah, I, I think you could say that about anything. I, I I think you could say that about War of the Rings or Harry Potter. When Harry met Sally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When Harry Potter met Sally. Yeah, when Harry Potter met Sally. Yeah, I, I, I think you could say that about Harry Potter even. Because I think reading the books is like... It's the scene in When Harry Met Sally where she fakes an orgasm in a restaurant and they cut to that old woman and she just says, Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> and it's Hagrid. Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> Well, it's Professor Flitwick, the little God, you know, yes. Wait, wait, it's it's when Harry, it's <laughs> it's when Hagrid met uh, Salazar Slytherin, Sal- Salander or something, <laughs> Newt Scamander, and Hagrid met Scamander. That's uh, going to be the sequel to. Uh, that's going to be the third third movie in the third Grindelwald movie or whatever. Grindelwald movie, yeah. Anyway, so that was a whole chunk of tangent there, but um, we obviously differ here i think but it may not surprise you to learn that other people online also differed in their opinions that's right gang it's time for daddy's tomatoes our first one our first our first review comes from tom f clearly tom felton from the harry potter series yeah who gave this two stars simultaneous wow slash cringe also stop using hugo weaving for unholy films in a review unholy films mm-hmm. like he this is actually like a, a a movie of the devil like the matrix mm-hmm. is or whatever that review always reminds me of the woman who spent like 10 years or something praying to like a little statuette that she thought was a saint but it was really a, a Elrond from Lord of the Rings kids meal toy. That's hilarious. She thought it was like St. Jonathan or whatever. She thought it was a saint. And so she like prayed with that, like as like a token for prayer. And it was just an Elrond kids meal toy. (laughs) Uh, That's amazing. I thought Hugo Weaving was fine in this. Yeah. Um, This was one of those films where Hugo Weaving only had to give 50%, but was still like, because he's so good at that kind of role. That it was still fine, like good, but I, I really, he was not putting in too much effort into this one. If anything, I'll say negative about this movie is I think his character as a villain isn't fleshed out very well. Besides, he's just like, I'm a scientist and I want to destroy other cities and uh, science rule, rules all. We have to do this oh, for science. Oh my God, he's Bill Nye. Oh shit. Science yeah. rules. His thing was a lot about Hugh, like Hugh, Hugh, Hugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hugo, the science bad. I did. He talked a lot about like resources. So I, my my take was that the resources were starting to run dry, or it was becoming more and more infeasible to run like London and stuff. And that's why he wanted to take down like the stationary cities behind that wall was because they were like, as he said, it was like hoarding resources. I mean, they weren't, but the idea was they're not like sharing. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I didn't feel that there was any evidence of London suffering at all. Oh, exactly. 100%. Yeah. That that wasn't fleshed out very well. And I think with him kind of personifying the city's character or whatever, because, like, basically everyone agreed with him. Like, mm-hmm. or, like, 
because people ran in droves to watch them take over other cities like um to consume like small town small mining towns and they were like cheering once they blew up the fucking wall at the end like people are savage yeah see if it had been like aristocrats then i would have understood Mm -hmm. like like the the blue bloods out on their like balconies cheering for this like blood sport kind of thing i would get that but yeah it was just everyone was fucking pumped yeah yeah even like the so so and so like good guys of Mm -hmm. the movie that lived in london they seemed kind of indifferent about it (laughs) like yeah like like, the um, the museum guy looked very sad they were blowing up a wall or the wall or whatever mm -hmm. um didn't really do or say anything about it. He just stood there looking very sad. Also, Hugo Weaving's daughter and the mechanic, who she's definitely going to fuck if they ever do a sequel, like, found out he was making this horrible weapon. And then they just never went back or told anyone. Yeah. Apparently in the books, they die. Both oh. of them die. So okay. um, I think as far as, like, story-wise, they probably, like, oh, yeah, what do we do with these people? <laughs> uh, B. Markle had a few ni- nicer things to say about this one. They gave it four stars. I watched it on HBO. I liked it. End of review. HBO's churning out some like great stuff. Like They have uh, Lovecraft Country, The Vow, that's out right now, mm-hmm. um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, and also this. Fame of Groans. Well, that's the end of the tomatoes. I don't know if you have any headlines for us. I just don't. I just don't know what to talk about Game of Thrones. I freeze when I hear the words Game of Thrones or any oh, reference to it because I, ha- I have no, I have no knowledge of Game of Thrones. Besides, what do you that. think it's about? I think it's about um, dragons mm-hmm. and economic discourse. I mean, yeah, the books for sure. <laughs> all I know, there's a dragon lady and a tiny rogue chick. Yeah. That's pretty much all you need to know. Cool. And and a character named Jon Snow is a fucking idiot, apparently. Because mm-hmm. he knows nothing. And that's Those it. are the only three characters in the whole thing. I think... They, yeah, just, they just sit around with dragons and have economic discourse. Yeah. F- for eight seasons. An hour a pop. Yeah. yeah. And then the bad guy from uh, Days of Future Past is also in the movie. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> that... Those... The, fucking logic puzzle took a minute to click into place in my brain i like days of futures past oh so do i we gotta stop talking about other films days of future past probably one of the best x-men films i would go so far for me to say might be my favorite x-man film um yeah. all right so i have our timer and our time starts now so do you have any ideas for this i i i was thinking that i would really like the idea of going somewhere else like a hundred percent agree not to con- not necessarily to continue the story of the characters in this movie, but oh. to go to a different place where maybe there's another city and there there's two other cities that are in conflict on like the other side of the world or something like that. See, what I was thinking was at the end of this movie, Tom and Hester Shaw are on the whatever Windflower, I think. And she's basically like, well, so where are we going now? And he gives the Jim Hawkins answer of wherever the wind may take us. So I like the idea of they just fuck off and go exploring. And so they're in the sequel, but it's somewhere else entirely. I'd like to do a desert. I think based off of okay. the sort of muddy, grimy, kind of like almost like World War One-esque uh, evocative trenches. And then the very serene, fertile grounds of the, by the way, this, it's like Shao Shaolin or something. I can't remember what it's called. And it's also 
strikes me as just kind of vaguely like not racist, but they just yeah. picked a very Eastern sounding serene Chinese kind of name and just went with that. And so, but I just, I think a desert would be really fun and we can still have big cities if you want. Um, what if they, they did fuck off and then like go like to the Americas because since mm-hmm. they are, since he's such a cataloger of like ancient technology and stuff, mm-hmm. like that's uh, his heavy interest. Um, and especially the Americas, it seems like from, yeah. The and movie, they mentioned like, they mentioned um, the lost Americas in this movie. I jotted that down as an idea. So yeah, it sounds like nobody's that, really in contact with America. Yeah. So what if that's where they go next is okay. where they try to find what happened with the lost Americas. Sure. And the desert city, what if it was Vegas? I mean, that is kind of, I mean, so they're, I think at this point, then we would open with them having kind of traveled a bit of America because if they're flying from Europe, Nevada, Las Vegas, Nevada, isn't really the first stop they're probably going to find. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they, um, Unless they go south and kind of skip over Central America, but they could go to California first and like experience LA or San Francisco. Um, and if they, if they went that way instead of the other way, yeah, they could have gone west or east Mm -hmm. rather instead of west. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I had some ideas. I, let me rephrase this. I didn't really have ideas for this one other than like a desert setting would be cool. So I actually stole a bit of the idea from the most recent, as we're recording this, um, story break episode. And I started typing in names and some ideas and let predictive text give me some ideas. Okay. So for example, for the villain, uh, I put the, I started to type villain and it said villainous. So I went with that. So I have the villainous plan is now a year old. What happened was that a big change was made for the inevitable impact. Okay. So there's an idea there. We could do something like that. Um, Tom has a lot of work to do with his life in this country. So I don't know. There's like some character beat. This one, I, this one kind of sparked a little bit of a, just, I thought it was a good, something to bite into. Hester is the only one who can make it to the red house. Interesting. I don't know what that means, but that's the one I feel like there's something we could bite into there. And maybe a couple, we don't have to use any of these. We could couple them up. We can do whatever. I'm just throwing that out there as an idea because this really worked with anything. What if um, they go and um, go and visit like the ruins of her mother's house? And that's kind of where the movie starts. Hmm. Um, so her mother was in America or are they still no, in Europe? No, okay. they're still in Europe. Okay. Um, and. Within that, um, maybe they find something within the ruins that was never found before because she's actually never been back, right? Okay. Um, and it leads her to something called the Red House and that it is in the Americas, the Lost Americas. Um, maybe we can, we might have to like uh, flesh out her mother's character and maybe like, um, exactly what she was doing and why she was finding stuff like um, that I mean, you believe in was interesting. Or interesting she was in, an archaeologist. But... I mean, they said in the thing that she was an archaeologist, so we can just stick with that. And honestly, that works because he wasn't looking for other shit. He just wanted that box, and then he was mm-hmm. gone. He didn't look around for more secrets or whatever. So I don't think it, it beggars belief that he just didn't find this before. Yeah. So. 
what do we think the Red House is? And what do we think? Why do we think it's so important? Um, so I think for your first question, I'm going to answer with a second question. Is the Red House a place or a group? Maybe they don't know. Maybe they yeah. don't. They well, just I mean, know but we sh- I think we should know for plot reasons. That's what I'm like. They don't have to know which one it is. We should if we're going to decide the plot. What if it's a place and okay. to keep to keep it with um, in the idea of the world is dying or like humanity is dying without like resources. This particular thing has the capability of unlimited energy or something like that. Uh, I'm thinking it's kind of like a uh, if you ever play Fallout Three, that whole like sort of um, that sort that's of what mission I was about to of suggest, yeah, uh, the clean water, you know, like, mm-hmm. like it's a bunker, yeah, and maybe uh, it hasn't opened yet. Like that's the idea is that. People want to find it. One for the like it has ultimate energy, but two, it's a storehouse of like historical knowledge because they went in before whatever the apocalypse happened, and they've just been generations living there with like actual history and context, and not yeah fucking minion gods. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm thinking that maybe it's nuclear energy or something okay. like that, which is the thing, if I'm remembering correctly, destroyed the world. So well, it's like, like quantum bombs or whatever they said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also famously, you're very anti wind farms. I just have a generator in my room that is um, uh, pumping diesel out, uh, diesel fumes out the entire uh, 24 hours a day. Um, I'm very anti environment. Yeah. I can't believe you got, you found a generator that you pee in one end and diesel fuel comes out the other. Yeah, my glasses are actually just made of uh, one one time use plastic, and I throw them away at the end of the day. <laughs> every, every morning, every night, every you, go to morning. Bed, you throw them yeah. away, and then you wake up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> I eat dolphin anyway. <laughs> so, what if it's nuclear energy, okay. um, and when they find it, they have to make the decision to either take it or destroy it right because i think the idea is is that oh this is the thing that helped destroy the world what if we harness this energy and it gets into the wrong hands and then it's real like like right like you know there's like the confliction of like using this energy source that could potentially potentially officially destroy the world right so let's so they find this bunker, because we've got five minutes left. I think we need to put a little bit more bones out before we put yeah, the yeah. meat on them. Uh, they find this bunker. What is, like, the... Because there's a villain in place here. So what are what's their plan? Like, what are they doing? Um, I think maybe they... Um, I like the idea of introducing more of a Mad Max sort of thing. Okay. Since these are the Lost Americas, I imagine that it is kind of like a west, wasteland area. Mm-hmm. Um. And I I think they're maybe dealing with like a sort of um, scavenger, like very like immortal Joe gang type of mm-hmm. pe- people throughout the entire thing. Here's here's my counter pitch: the person in charge of the Red House knows that it's safe to go outside. 
but has continued to keep them in this bunker. And the bunker's pretty much a utopia, but, you know, they should be told that they can leave if they want to, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And and so he takes Hester, yeah, Hester, and maybe Tom. I know I said that Hester's the only one who can go, or who can make it to the Red House. We can also get rid of that. Um, But he doesn't, because if they go into a closed environment, everybody knows everybody. Wait, what are these, what are new people doing here? And now, with the discovery of the nuclear fusion as their power source, Tom and Hester now have a double problem of, okay, do we actually want to reintroduce that into the world? Yeah. Like, if we say nothing and just leave, no one will know, and it'll stay here buried forever. Okay. And so that's like a double kind of idea of we should tell them because it's the right thing to do, but if we do, they're going to go out into the world, and people are going to find out about this. Yeah. Well, it's also... I think the big confliction and is these people have created a utopia down here mm-hmm. where they're safe from the harms of like what the world has become up up top, like mm-hmm. of roaming cities and everything. Um, should we destroy that? Because mm-hmm. these people found a way. Should we destroy that? Because these people found a way for us, ch- the chance up top to, like live longer you know like mm-hmm. i yeah which i don't know how to answer that myself i think it's like kind of like the idea of sharing the sharing the wealth or like maybe they have enough energy down there to last hundreds of years so i think we we need a more solid kind of I, i'm okay with like the on a character level is this the right thing to do i think we need a very clear cut this is wrong this is right angle to take with something else then like he he's going to start using the nuclear bombs or or she whoever's in charge or it gets out that they're that they're it's safe to go up top or whatever like i'm just saying if we're going to mess with like a very kind of gray area like that we need a clear-cut villainous something going on what if initially um so they get to the Americas because I like the mm-hmm. idea of this like undercity and then this mm-hmm. overcity type of thing or mm-hmm. this overland type thing. So what if like London, there's levels of like a ri- aristocracy and like only the people below, uh, they are high class or whatever, or they're deemed high, mm-hmm. high caste or whatever. And they are actually have more than they need down there. Mm hmm. And while there's all these scavenging groups and all this, like these Mad Max, like people up top um, that are the rebels trying to break in to like steal mm-hmm. what they have. Um, but initially we think that those rebel people, those like Mad Max people are the bad guys and are like mm-hmm. everything. But then as the movie goes on, we slowly realize like, oh, this utopia down here. This is preventing people up top who are suffering and like have no food to suffer more for our benefit of just us having more longer, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Does that make sense? So, so what I would say then is that, um, it's like Demolition Man, where, uh, um, um, with the under underground people trying to like rob the Taco Bell just because they want a little bit of food. I would say, um, at that point, what we do is we have the scavengers be a thing in this desert world. 
and at some point they like dock and sell their wares and then if you like follow the money or something you lead to like this utopian society underground that's like keeping their keeping them in scarcity yeah. so that they're relying on them and then they can have more and then that way then and then we can go with the idea of like because at the end they have to split up or something so that's why only hester can get into the red house for some reason maybe like her mom ran away from like was part of this and got away and so maybe hester's mom was part of this at some point like her family's here and she maybe. ran away to europe and buried herself in archaeology where no one would look for her yeah, maybe uh, that's where she got the uh, suitcase, the the mm. energy source from the beginning, um, from from the first movie. I think that it's a, it's said explicitly in the movie she found it while she and Hugo Weaving were together. Like, like she had found it, and then uh, okay. he wanted to know, like he wanted it, and she wouldn't give it to him. I don't know if it was something she had the whole time. I think it's more implied that it was discovered. What if they found? What if we have like a a bonus flashback scene for um for story purposes of them finding mm-hmm. like documents or something um with it that kind of lead to where it came from originally maybe something like that okay. and then that's leading to the red house and like that's where how they find out that sure. it's in America so yeah so this is actually then the red house is actually like a bunker where they launched America launched their quantum bombs from or whatever. So they hid like the the American elite in that bunker. Yeah, and I think it is. I still like the idea that it's in the desert and it's like uh, I I think it's under Vegas, mm-hmm. right? Like I think yeah. it's under under Vegas while like the scavenger groups are up top and like that's where they're surviving and living basically. Yeah, so it's like um, and so like hollowed out Vegas hotels and stuff like that mm-hmm. is where everybody's staying. Um, yeah. Okay. Do I need to invent a new card game for this movie as well? An elaborate. We'll just uh, we'll just import Triple Triad from Final Fantasy VIII into this, and that'll be fine. Okay, so what? So so everything that okay, so everything they scavenged is given to a representative of the Red House or whatever, and mm-hmm. it's like okay, now we're gonna go down there and we're gonna work really hard and we're going to convert this into energy so that you can keep running the city. And we'll make food, and here's the food, and etc. Like, we'll trade you this for the food. And then Hester gets in, and it's like a fucking opulent, like mm-hmm. I'm thinking like Georgian England balls and all this stuff. Yeah. Like, it, it's just so sleek. Everybody's in white. It's this utopia. It's like a just... neo. It's like a neo Tokyo, or yeah. like by underground. Yeah, I'm thinking like everything's made of marble or whatever. I mean, I guess it'd have to be red because it's the red house, or it can just be called that. It doesn't matter the scenery um mm-hmm. around vegas and everything there are the mountains and they're red so i think they're made That's out of those those red sure. rocks yeah know? um so she gets down there and she realizes this is going on tom can't get in so he's still up top in normal vegas so the point is now she finds out it's nuclear power yeah um, and I think there's the idea of, I, well, do they let her go back up top now that she's here? Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, cause arguably they she, wouldn't. I think she initially seen. gets very invited in and mm-hmm. she's like, oh, you're, um, so-and-so's daughter. Um, I think they have heard of the person maybe, um, mm. oh, you're so-and-so's daughter. You're of course welcome here. Um, Shaw. I mean, the last name could just yeah. be like Shaw gets her in. Like they know who she is. The Shaw family is. 
Yeah. Um, and they take them. I think they have like a person who greets them that's played by. Uh, oh, um, um, Orlando Jones. Orlando Jones. Okay. Orlando Jones like invites them down uh, or mm. invites her down um, and shows her. Uh, I think their energy operation or like they're like kind of like. Right. They're they're fake like factory where they're like making like, uh-huh. the energy to like uh, eventually serve the people. Yeah, I mean, this is the tour like anybody from up yeah. top can take this tour. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the um the tour of the Hoover Dam. <laughs> yeah. I think, which also begs the question, like, maybe that's where they got the energy originally. Like, the Hoover Dam kept running. Oh, yeah, um, they still have the energy from the Hoover Dam. They don't actually need any of this shit from yeah. the scavengers. It's all about controlling what they have and don't have. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, it's literally the the good of the few versus the good of the many. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's like, oh, like, us... It's sort of like Tomorrowland a little bit where like these super intelligent people Mm -hmm. are like, we have to survive. Like we were keeping all of this from the world because they're too dumb to understand it. Or um, it's us that has to survive, not them. And that's a part of it too. Why when it's revealed what's actually going on and they're like, yeah, what do you want us to do? They're, I mean, they're savages. If they find out about this, they'll make it a weapon. Mm -hmm. Like we're not going to, but they will. So we yeah. have to keep it a secret. Do you like if, if you're so afraid of nuclear weapons, you have to keep this a secret because they'll 100 percent make it a weapon. Yeah. And I mean, that plays in on the idea of we we put them into this position of scarcity and now we can use it to justify not telling them about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's super fucking evil. We, we yeah. created a good villain right here. Yeah. Who's, who's um, the villain? Who's running the city? Let's get to who's the master of the Red House. It's Hugh Laurie again, you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, what about Mads Michelson? Yeah, that's good. I like him. Um, plays evil well. Um, or do we want to make it a woman? You could do that. Um, it could be. Uh, I mean, it could be a couple. Like, yeah, it could be Maggie Smith and <laughs> God. Uh, Maggie Smith. Let's see how old is Mads Michelson. I like the idea of like a mother and son duo. Ooh, okay, that's cool. Like, like yeah. Maggie Smith and like David Ten- David Tennant or something, or like something like that. Like maybe not uh, yeah. David Tennant. Oh, um, I mean, they're both again like with Maggie Smith. This would be another all star for our, for a bracket, but uh, Daniel Craig. Okay, he was. I think he can play very well with the like calm, assured talking bullshit like well you know if we give them this then they'll make the weapons well you create a system well okay, but no we didn't create the system we just bought like i think he could very do a good job of very assuredly just spout this bullshit without blinking an eye yeah and i mean this is a great media campaign for us maggie smith uh daniel, daniel Cr- uh, yeah uh, daniel oh Craig. i'm sorry i thought you said daniel radcliffe no <laughs> i think he's a little young for maggie smith to be his mother yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, um, but I, still, Daniel Craig, Maggie Smith, you know. Um, well, we can work Daniel Craig in as a side character because I do actually. I did uh, thinking that we'd need to flesh out the cast a little bit. I did put in uh, the side character is not a big fan of the human nature, but that is why we have a good family and a lot of people that don't want to be there. 
<laughs> so Daniel Craig could be, or sorry, Daniel Radcliffe rather, could either be somebody who's in the Red House that doesn't like the system, or one of the scavengers up top that Tom more deals with than Hester. What if he's, what if he's Daniel Craig's son? And uh, okay, so involved. three generations. Yeah, there's three generations. He's, he's the um, one in training. Like Daniel, like Maggie Smith is there to kind of having done it. She's advising Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig is like, you're coming to work with me now, son, because you need to learn how to run, how to run the Red House. I also like we created a family of three distinctly different accents. Yeah, we did, um, <laughs> which I love. Um, and they're all British accents. I think Daniel Radcliffe, um, let's name them. Real fast, because yeah. I don't want to say Daniel, Daniel, and Mackie. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, uh, my favorite European band. Yeah, um, let's called. Um, what do we think their last name is? Let's um, come up with a very ostentatious last name. It would be great because um, Dijon Beau. Dijon Beau. Uh, the in the books, um, people are intentionally named with like brand names sometimes um mm. because it's like oh they are the relics of the past or that's how people got their names again after the after gotcha. a long time um so what about like timothy verizon <laughs> jonathan aldi's i'll make the note of that i think i think we should riff on this bit for a little bit longer though kroger johnson and johnson <laughs> alan magnum <laughs> uh <laughs> steven barnes and noble Sprint Jiffy Lube. Oh, God. <laughs> I can name Sprint for someone. Like, like I think that's a good first name. Peter um, Dollar Tree. <laughs> what? A, let's decide the last name, and then we'll come up with the first name. So, like, um, what if it's PayPal or something like that, or or Amazon. Chase? Chase. Um, Chase sounds like an actual name, but like if it's a last name, it's kind of weird. So. Like Sprint and Chase. <laughs> Chase. Um, Chase, Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, uh, O'Reilly's Auto Center, O'Reilly Auto Parts, rather. Um, big O Tires. Fargo. Sprint Fargo. Um, so we are leaning into the idea. I mean, this is also a world in which they remember having actual people names. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sprint what about Fargo, you stupid asshole? <laughs> I like Fargo. I like the name. I want Sprint Fargo to be Daniel Radcliffe's character. Fine. I I hate that. That's such a dumb fucking name. But fine. Do you like that last name, or should we do something different? I like Fargo. Fargo's a good last oh. name. What about Will? Will Fargo. I like that. So, Will is Daniel Radcliffe. What do you think mm-hmm. Daniel Craig says? Mason. Mason Fargo. Okay. Yeah. And um, although I do kind of like the idea that he just calls her mother. Mother. Mother Fargo. Yeah. It's like, you have some mother. Although, see, now I'm hearing. Oh, oh, no. You know what? Daniel Craig is doing the Benoit Blanc voice. Yeah. 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 Well. Of course he is. Yeah. Because now, honestly, the entire time I haven't heard his British accent at all in my head. I've just been thinking of the Benoit Blanc accent. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe and Daniel Craig both have American accents that they've mm-hmm. done before. Um, I've never heard Maggie Smith do an American accent, but, uh, I, I mean, maybe she just doesn't really have dialogue. Like she can kind of like looks and she'll like, I don't know, gestures and things. I don't mean that in a bad way, but like, that's also kind of fucking sinister. Yeah. 
So we have Will, Mason, and Mother, the Fargo family. Mason, Will, Mason, Mother, the Fargo family. Work. Okay. Um. (laughs) I think they get, I think they first arrive to the Americas and maybe, do you think America also has roaming cities on the top as well? Um. Honestly, or... I, I, I know that you wanted to do big roaming cities. I think it's more Mad Max where it's like smaller scale. So it's yeah. not like, uh, it's not cities. They have like bigger, like, I guess battle vehicles, but it's the lost America. So I feel like they don't have the ability to build the cities. I think they went underground because America, our whole thing with like nuclear weapons and all that shit, like people have bunkers. I think America would have gone underground. So it's actually mostly subterranean cities. And there's okay. some stuff on the top, like we're seeing with the scavenger settlement in Vegas. Um, but like the big cities are all subterranean. Maybe they dig. I don't know. Like maybe they have like sure. diggers or something. But um, I just think because it's called the Lost Americas, there aren't actually cities that communicate with anybody. Got it. Okay. I'm fine with that. So I think they make it to Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. somehow. I don't know if they should experience something before that, but I think they're dealing with the scavengers as soon as they get there, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they need a friend. I, I, I mean, it doesn't seem like it kind of seems like they'd be on their own. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think that maybe they meet the leaders of the scavengers at the beginning before they make it underground. Um, mm-hmm. um, what do we think the scavengers are called? Like their, um, their group. Um, Nevada doesn't have a sports team. No. The closest one would probably be California, which would be the Chargers. I mean, I kind of want to call them the Tampa Bay Buccaneers based off of the lore of the world, but Florida's too far away for that to really make sense. Sure. Um, the Niners. The Niners. I'm fine with that. The Niners? The Niners sounds fine. Okay. And I think they found a bunch of like stuff from San Francisco and they wear <laughs> it like they, they have like some old patches or something. Oh, yeah, I mean, L.A. is like only like four hours away from Las Vegas or something like that on like the interstates and freeways. So like it's not Im- implausible that they go into California to scavenge yeah. as well and would have picked up like sports stuff. For sure. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um. So I think there's like they're running from them. Um, maybe they get captured, um, but for somehow they get away. Um, I, I like the idea of Tom being sort of like a gadget man. Okay. Um, maybe he has found old technology and he's able to find a use for mm-hmm. it or something. Um, oh, I don't yeah, know. I mean, like... f- flying that ship from Europe to Nevada, they're going to have had to have landed at times and they might've found shit and he's had to kind of figure out how to, macgyver things maybe he's created like a like a hand crossbow that like launches uh like little bottle rockets or like some or mm-hmm. i don't know oh uh, yeah but he's got like a little hand crossbow that yeah shoots a variety of bolts let's recap they get to america they find the scavenger town which is in the remains of las vegas the scavengers are basically turning all their haul over to the red house in exchange for food and the energy to run vegas Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom and Hester go into the Red House, but it's mostly just like the tour that everybody else gets to take. 
So they don't actually see anything. They see the front, basically. Hester, somehow, either by giving her name or whatever, is recognized and is allowed into like the actual Red House. And maybe because she and Tom are together at this point that he also gets to come with her. Yeah. They meet Mason, Will, and Mother Fargo. Maybe they have. I, I don't know. Maybe they should have spent... Maybe Hester's in and Tom is spending some time with the scavengers up top. And then she convinces them to let Tom in. Because I, I, somebody needs to kind of see what life is like with the scavengers for the debate to happen between Mason and all that. Like, I think it needs to be a very genteel front for a while in the movie. And yeah. then... Well, I think there's a, like a rebel group up top, right? Um, sure. Like, because um, I think like there's, there's, there's people in Vegas that are cooperating with the Undercity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also, I think, people just trying to break in because they realize that something's up, right? Or, or do you think not? I mean, I yes. I, I have an idea. Okay. <coughs> and it'll let you get Sprint Fargo into the movie. Amazing. Will Fargo has a twin brother, also played by Daniel Craig. And a la Man in the Iron Mask, Mason Fargo was, no, I can't have a power struggle. So he took the younger twin brother and just basically threw him out into the desert. And the scavengers ended up picking him up and raised him. Okay. And that's, he, got, he got the name Sprint Fargo because the scavengers don't know the difference. Whatever. They, they use brand names, whatever. So he's Sprint Fargo. Daniel Radcliffe found, or sorry, Will found out about his twin brother still being alive, and the brother's part of the rebellion, or maybe they founded the rebellion together. And Will Fargo is the man on the inside who's helping the rebels. Ah, uh, okay, got it. I like that. Um, and I think, uh, I think in the middle of the night, when um, uh, Hester is spending the night in the Undercity. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets captured, um, and she thinks she's, I think she's fighting back against them or whatever. Um, but I, I think there's a cool battle scene or something. Uh, oh yeah. We need chasing. some like big battles. Yeah. Um, maybe and... the red house comes up out of the ground and it's actually not like a Mecca, but it's, it's got like a shitload of weapons and starts firing into the scavenger settlement of Vegas. Yeah. I think that's probably, um, what the big. I think I think as we're talking about like nuclear energy mm-hmm. and um oh okay I think I have a good idea okay hold yeah. on so I think they're using nuclear energy down um down below mm-hmm. but it is causing uh but they have a lot of nuclear waste mm. and they need they've been able to store it for years but it's mm-hmm. getting full so they have to release it and the only and so what their plan is, is to release it up top to yes. like, okay, so this yeah. is good because this is something that obviously has to happen every so often. So sometimes, the, oh, oh, okay. Okay. So they're throwing like a mm-hmm. big gala or like a party and it's like, oh, we let the scavengers come in and we just like how much we appreciate them. And we like, it's a, it's just a party where the two or two, you know, sides whatever get to intermingle. It's not. What happens is while that party's going on, they only bring in like a hundred people and then they flush the waste across Vegas and basically yeah. everybody else gets killed and they're like, Oh no, something's happened and you have to all have to stay here and whatever. And then once it's clear or once they, whatever the waste is gone or dissipate, you know, whatever reason 
they let them out. Or maybe it's like, because Vegas is yeah. a big city. So maybe every, like, it's like quadrants. It's like, okay, this year we've had to flush this quadrant. So when we let them out, it's like, it's not safe over there. You got to go live in this part of Vegas where it's safe. And then it's like, okay, 100, 200 years later, all right, we got to flush out. So by the time they get to that fourth one, the first one's livable. Again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I like the idea, like, it's this kind of control of their population. Mm-hmm. Too. Exactly. It's like, it's like, oh, like, they could they could easily outnumber us. It's kind of like the bug's life mm-hmm. thing of like, exactly. Um, they could easily outnumber us. So the way we handle it and cause like solve two birds with one stone is that we kill everyone up there. Every, I think it happens after a long time. Like I think yeah, they've been cause... doing, I think this is part of their like bylaws or something. It's like, or mm-hmm. this, this plan has been going on for hundreds of years. Right. Yeah. So they let all those 100 people go and then they, create families and then breed and then like right. the next hundred years goes by and they do it again right exactly. you know like um, that's what i'm saying yeah it, it's like but, a planned one calling of the herd but again yeah it kills two birds one stone and so yeah. this one like the new one's coming up in mm-hmm. the next like three weeks or something like that like yeah um so this is what will will fargo finds out about it um i think up top it's like a conspiracy Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think there's like a lot of mythos about like the underground or like, there's just like a, a few conspiracy theorists that like, um, think, cause I would think like the radiation is like maybe in those irradiated zones, they like some people have gone in, um, but they never, mm-hmm. uh, but they die because they're like irradiated. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's still like stories from them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, they find yeah. stuff and maybe some of them come back. Like they're horribly ill and like maybe even not mutated but like deformed because of the intense radiation but they come back with like like i found this in i don't know a lead box like the safe or whatever that somebody was using and it managed to survive because it's lead line you know i don't know but some like they managed to bring back scraps of information and tom is able to kind of piece together with sprint fargo they managed to figure out like what's going on yeah yeah um i like this so they she gets captured um, and gets kind of like gets woken up and like to what's really going on mm-hmm. by Will and everything. Um, because I think I think they were actually planning to uh, kill her. Um, I think mother and uh, mother and Mason were actually planning to kill her because she's like this outsider who like has stories like from beyond mm-hmm. our little bubble city. Right. Exactly. Um like she's proof that there's life with that w- out out in the world and we don't want people to leave we need them to continue to uh right. you know and that's what i think the the idea being the desert has extended just beyond vegas because of like the quantum bombs or whatever it's like most of california's desert and most of the utah's desert what are like all these i mean those are already arizona and utah are already desert states but you know what i mean it's like it's desert as far as the eye can see it's kind of like in holes where they said we don't have fences yeah. because the nearest town is four days away or something like that like yeah so they're not it's like we we we're not worried about them running away like because they're they'll die if they do but if they find out there's something out there they might risk it and then we're fucked yeah yeah, because we continually need them to gather resources exactly. for us to continue like, the nuclear generator, right? Because they don't know there's more out there, they're not going to try it. If they yeah. do know there's other towns and things and they can get to them, they might try for it, and then we're screwed. So we we can't let them know, and you're outsiders. Um, yeah. They don't know about Tom, though. That's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. like, they don't know he's out there already telling people things. 
Yeah. Um, I love this. Uh, so, uh, how do we think they win in the end? Or what do we think happens next after Hester and Tom find out? Like, I have an idea. I don't know how they do it, but I think that they set it up so the nuclear waste is flushed into the red house instead of out of. Okay. Like, maybe Tom flying around realizes Hoover Dam is still working. The city could use Hoover Dam if they wanted to. They don't need the Red House. And okay. so that's how they can... Because obviously we're destroying, like, the means of food production and stuff like that, or whatever, if we flush the Red House. I think the idea is, like, you don't actually need them at all. Yeah. What if, um, what if the Red House is keeping Hoover Dam secretly, like, on lockdown um, mm-hmm. as, like, a backup? in case Mm -hmm. like a like it's kind of like a fail safe measure but that that whole dam could actually power the entire city of Mm -hmm. uh, vegas if like for their needs and purposes right um what if they need oh and the city's called ega ega because all of the rest of it's broken off sure sure or vegas 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 veg the vegeta the veg uh la veg lava Levege is pretty good. Let's do Levege. Levege, okay. The lost city of Levege. Um, um, so somehow they, they, they crack it. Or, oh, no, um, um, okay, okay. Tom does something via weapons, or Hester's going to have to flip a switch inside that will actually power on the dam, which will overpower the city, the, the red houses. Like, uh, there's too much power. And it'll blow whatever safety so that the waste actually comes in. And I think that she's going to do it because she's the one inside. And then Will Fargo helps her escape and he does it. Okay. Got it. Um, I like that. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, And then he's kind of sacrificing himself like Mm -hmm. uh, like a la la Fallout when the dad does that. So I think up top what's happening is that Tom along with um, Sprint Fargo and the group of people mm. from LaVeg. The Niners. The Niners the of Niner. LaVeg. The Niners of LaVeg. Uh, <laughs> we should just write books. We should just fucking make this. Um, the Niners of LaVeg. Um, they go to... Um, their, their mission and what we're seeing them do is to storm Hoover Dam and like yeah. take control, I mean- right? Um, a la return of the king oh yeah i know yeah you're right never mind i was gonna, i thought you were saying like return of the king they're drawing the attention of the fargos but i think i think they're taking hoover dam i think that's better because i think they also need to do something on their end to make sure like it turns on like yeah the red house has people there so in case anybody ever discovers hoover dam they're killed immediately yeah because no one can know and so, and that was the first thing. They were like, oh, it's, it's irradiated. You can't go there either. But it's not. It's just, so anybody who tries is killed. And that way then it keeps up the, the, like the ruse. Um, so they take Hoover Dam so that whatever they try to do to stop it, like they can't now. Um, that's good. So then, and then what's, what throws them off is Tom has air support, which they don't like. Yeah. They've been expecting ground attacks, which they get, but there's also now air support with the uh, Windflower. Windflower, yeah. The Millennium Falcon. There was a huge Star Wars vibe at the end of the first movie. Him in that yeah. jacket and her. I, like, I love that ship. I would love more movies with just like that as like that ship as like the Millennium Falcon type. 
Oh yeah, Bird. that whole like squadron. Like I, mm-hmm. I fucking love them. That well, that was great. Yep. Uh, it's too bad you love that squadron because. I mean, two of them are still alive. The Hoover Dam survived whatever the apocalypse was. So mm-hmm. I think just like the idea of the Hoover Dam and like the capabilities of it, like that's also being protected by the red the red house that's, yeah, too, that's what right? I mean. That's yeah, what I'm because, saying is that like like we they, could do this they, other places, you know, like like the world could come back with like mm-hmm. the creation of this power. And that's like what I meant when I said they lied and said, "Oh yeah, this place also got irradiated." It's if you go there, you'll probably get you'll die and fear is what kept most people from ever finding it but the few people who braved it were just killed like summarily executed so they couldn't tell anybody and that helped yeah. keep up the myth that this place was just you couldn't go there yeah and the red house is all up their asses of like just like we can't let p other people know about this the old world died because people mm-hmm. had like too many people had this power or whatever mm-hmm. um i love that do we think there's like a fight scene versus like Hesker and Mason or maybe Will and Mason? Um, or what if, okay, so maybe, during... maybe, maybe we should flesh out the city, the Undercity a little bit more to see like what kind of like do they have like high, high technology or like secure, like security right, robots or right. something, right? Like, I think it's a general, slightly above, like it's the technology level that we definitely see in London. Okay. But the city, uh, Love Edge, is not as technically advanced as that. Okay. So, the, like, it's the tech level that we've already seen in the franchise. It's just that the above city is, like, woefully behind what we've seen before. And that way, then, we don't have to, like... It's not like they... Oh, because we were secured away and we have all this... We're, like... We have lasers and stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, whatever. It's, it's equal to what we see as the tech level of the day. Got um, it. I like an idea of the city of the undercity is filling with this waste. So there's almost like a Poseidon adventure kind of mm. like just keep up, up and there'll be a fight at one point where like, I don't know, Daniel Craig is fighting um, Hester and she like kicks him over a railing and he just falls into the sludge. Okay. And then we get into the 45 minute fight scene of Hester and Maggie Smith. Yeah. Just like Wuja fighting. Yeah. What if like that? That'd be amazing, actually. Like, what if she's like super, um, like suit, like maybe she's like a good like swordsman or something like that. I like that that idea. Um, okay. Yeah, she's got a cane the whole movie, and it, when she goes to fight Esther, she just grabs it, and it's a sword cane. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Yeah, and I think they do it. I think Hesker survived. I don't want to kill her or Tom. Um, really. Right. Um, well, yeah, they're the franchise. Them traveling about and tearing down villainy is the franchise. And like point. basically solving the problems of the world. Yeah. How does she kill? How does she kill mother? Or does mother like? I think like it's basically mother, and mother is in front of the button or the switch or something. Um, and uh, it's her and Hesker, and they she just won't let Hes- Hester get near the switch at all and then what if uh because she keeps like cutting her with like the rapier she has or whatever mm-hmm. or the sword um and is ooh um I'm... and what i'm what i'm imagining is somehow hester re like punches through maggie smith to touch to get the switch or something like that or um or maybe cuts her in half, or like maybe um, there's something that flies in uh, and I have knocks an idea. her out. 
Go ahead. I have an idea, and it's not. She doesn't die because I, I agree with it. I don't want to die. She just bum rushes Maggie Smith and basically takes the sword and puts it through her own stomach. So she's oh, okay, and then pushes Maggie Smith into the button, and Maggie Smith gets like electrocuted because of the power it's, overflow. We already talked it's about. It's like it's it's live free or die hard, uh, where yeah. he, uh, where Bruce Willis shoots jams himself. the gun into his own the own bullet hole in yeah. his shoulder and just keeps shooting. Yeah, it's yeah. A similar. I mean, I've seen that in other movies though, where the person like I. I can't get to you because of your sword. So they impale themselves on the sword so they can get to the person. But I think yeah. that's it. like she runs, rushes her and like step, like forces like the blade through her own stomach. So she's close enough to make it just like then push her mm-hmm. away. And she hits the button with her back and is like electrocuted because of all this extra power that we were talking about. Um, and then Hester comes out. She has the sword now. She now has a sword cane. Um, what if she's like mortally wounded and not to like leave it up for like the trilogy or whatever, but. Right. I like the idea of like maybe um her actually becoming one of the reborn like at the end like maybe like that's Tom's idea to like keep her alive is to make her reborn or something like that. Maybe. I don't know. I I doesn't that doesn't jive with me as much as with you, but I mean that's a, that's not our problem. We're here to make this movie. True. I'm I'm fine with leaving the movie. He like comes in. He gets like she's on the surface. He brings the ship down and gets her, and they fly away because he's gonna. And maybe somebody from Levege is like, "There's a legend that says to the north, there's a healer or something like that." And they fly off into the like the sunset or whatever. To Portland. And he's gonna. Yeah, to Portland. <laughs> he's just gonna get her a weed card. Um, yeah. But I think that I'm fine with that. Like she's wounded, we can set it up for the third. That that's the lead in. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, there's one question we have left to answer. Then, what do we call it? Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, and it's Mortal Engines. Mortal Engines. New Veg. New Veg. <laughs> I was gonna say as a dumb. I don't actually, but we probably shouldn't call it this. Rather, but Mortal Engines colon Viva La Veg. Viva La Veg. I almost like it. Um, Honestly, the first time we've referenced that since uh, Wa- uh, Viva Wasp Vegas from yeah. Bugs Life, way yeah. back in our baby baby podcaster days. Yeah, um, I mean the Red House. I actually like Viva Viva La Veg, uh, right. Mortal Engines. <laughs> Mortal, I think it's Mortal Engines so, No Two, Mortal right. Engines Viva La Veg. I like that we. This is the second episode in a row in which we have Veg in the title because. Last week was Dragon Ball colon the, the Vegeta. Vegeta. <laughs> <laughs> Off the record, I told my roommate some of the details about that, and he was very unhappy with me. Oh my god, I was so, yeah, think, yeah. It, for the record, anyone he's who's a Dragon a, Ball Z fan, he did think yeah. Nappa the Vegeta was very funny. Like yeah, yeah. After while being angry that we had done this, he also recognized that, that was a good joke. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so. anyone who actually knows about Dragon Ball Z is going to be very pissed and be- find that very fun. Either be very oh, yeah. pissed or be- find that very funny. So, Madison, did we do it? We did it. All right, well, if we did it, that's credits on another episode of The Equalizers. Madison Jones, tell the people where they can find us. People can find us on Spotify, Podbean, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, and everywhere else podcasts are found by searching The Equalizers. As always, you can get in contact with us on Facebook and Twitter at The Equalizers. Our Gmail is equalizers at gmail.com. And we have an Instagram. It is the underscore equalizers. And as always, we spell that E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S like in sequel. Oh, I hate that. Uh, it'd be great if you would 
subscribe and give us a review. Um, at this point, it also, again, just be great if you told a friend about us, two friends. As we were recording this, my birthday was last week, so you're required to tell at least one friend at this point. Yeah. For for uh, Mike's birthday, you have to leave us a review. It's a rule. Yeah. You can either leave a review or you can tell a friend, one of the two. Yeah. But if you don't, uh, I'll know and I'll find you. Or you could give me an early birthday present because uh, my birthday is in February, a very early birthday present, and leave a review. All right. Now, Madison Jones, next time. Eagle-eared listeners will remember I made a promise that we would do a film for the ECU, and a promise made is a debt unpaid. So next time, Madison Jones and I return to Tintagel to meet the boy who would be king. The boy who would be king. Yeah. It's like an Arthurian thing. Okay. I, at the end of Avengers, I made a reference to the boy Merlin and something else. And then I said, this is all preamble to say that we will um, consume whatever the boyhood became into the ECU. And okay. we've, it's been long enough. And I, I didn't want to do like immediately, but it's been like 30 episodes. So, so for the equalizers, I'm Madison Jones. I'm Mike Noll. Greetings, young academians. My name is Merton. Yes, that's right. Merton, Ambrosius, Calendonisius, and I'm a perfectly normal contemporary British schoolboy. To be continued. First take your favorite leg, and then you kick it up to your chest. And then you pump your open palms, and then you really start breaking a sweat. That's all there is, that's really it, you barely even gotta move your butt. Come on, man, now follow my lead, and we'll do the two-step strut. Come on, dance with me.